Hey, this is Wade with Let the Bird Fly, a podcast. Uh, As you may know about living freely in a world given back to us, you may be wondering, where's the music? What's going on, Wade? Um, What is going on is that we recorded an episode, uh, the final episode of our series on anthropology, and we lost the second half. Uh, Why did we lose the second half? I suppose we, we could point fingers, but what use is there in that, I, I don't think anyone should have to take blame, say, for hitting record again to end it uh, incorrectly and taking out the SD card too early, which maybe I did, which is maybe why I am recording this rather than Jason or Michael, besides the fact that they don't know how to use the equipment. The good news is we got about 35 solid minutes with Dr. Mark Brown um, on Genesis 9, uh, the second half of Genesis 9, and, and starting into uh, Genesis 11 with the Tower of Babel. Uh, it's a blessing in disguise, perhaps, that it cut off where it did, because as we got to the Tower of Babel, we had about 10 minutes, 15 minutes to go, and we just started rattling off stuff that was good stuff, uh, and kept saying, maybe this could be an episode, maybe that could be an episode. And by the end, we said, Mark, how about next time you have chapel, you come back in and we'll do one more Anthropology Genesis series episode. And so we got on cities, we got on languages, we got uh, on how we think about human beings. Are we computers? Are we like animals? What's going on there? And uh, we're going to get to talk about more of that when we have Mark back on in early May, and that will wrap up the Anthropology episode but for now, we hope you will dis, uh, you will enjoy what we did get uh, recorded successfully, which is uh, Noah getting drunk, and what does that mean, and, and why does Moses record that, and how are we supposed to think about these uh, saints and, and patriarchs of the past? Um, how are we not doing hagiography when we study them, yet at the same time, what about them should we want to emulate or, or call to mind? We had lots of good discussion. We thank Dr. Mark Brown for joining us, and we hope uh, you enjoy what follows. Thank you. Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my good friend and colleague, the Reverend, the Dr. Michael Berg, my good friend and colleague, the Reverend Professor. We're going to give you that even though in Germany that would be very confusing (laughs) because you should have written your your Havel in order to to have that Jason Oakland (laughs) and my good friend and former colleague, colleague emeritus, the Reverend Dr. Mark Brown, who was here and had chapel today, and they gave him an easy text. They gave him Job, um, and I think he did an all right job. We all agree it was a pretty good job <laughs> with, yep, with yep. that. So Pretty good job. Um, the uh, the now what, then what, then what, and so what. The now what and the so what. So if you want to go back and give it a listen, it was a good uh Breakdown of, of Job, and uh, the in the light of the resurrection, you go to Wisconsin Lutheran College Campus Ministry, Google that, 
All the chapels are archived there. You can go and see Dr. Brown's uh, chapel today. We are, Lord willing, if everything goes right, today wrapping up our anthropology series. We're going to be talking about two things, uh, Noah Gets Drunk and the Tower of Babel. Um, so so two, it's going to be a happy episode. Um, the, uh, so what is going on with why does Moses record this about Noah and what's, what's the big deal with the Tower of Babel? And the reason we're stopping there is because this is an anthropology series and we're looking at what Genesis has to say about people and their relationship with God and with each other and with creation. And with chapter 12, we move uh, to Abraham and we'll see kind of a narrowing. This begins the, the story of the people of Israel. Now, this is the story of all believers through faith. Um, but really, 1 through 11 is going to deal um, with anthropology as we're looking at it for, for people as a, a whole. And so that is the, the hope for wrapping up today. Um, we'll give a plug here at the beginning. If you haven't noticed, Jason and I have been doing a Winging It series on our recent trip to Rome uh, Lutherans in Rome. You know what today is? Tra- today is Thursday. Travel the World Day. Well, that's an excellent day for us to plug that then. I would think. We're on part two and we're making way th- our way through our trip to Rome. And uh, not just here's what we did, but kind of talking about what was our, our take on these things. I'm um, connected to that. Jason and I will be leading an 11-day Germany tour in May of 2024, May 13th or 23rd. And just to be clear, we did ask Michael to go, yeah. and he does not want to go on a tour with us, I, but he was invited. I vehemently refused. <laughs> yeah. But I would, would you admit that once we talked about the itinerary, you did seem interested in the itinerary, oh, just I, not traveling with us. I would, well, my deal, well, yeah, that's, I don't want to travel with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, sure. Jason is yeah, okay. Jason, <laughs> I have never traveled with Jason before, so I don't know. Uh, right, yeah. No, I, I have, as we have all had opportunities to lead a type of tour that you were doing, whether it be the Holy Land or whatever. And I've always shied away from that because I don't want to be in charge of anybody. And I don't want to follow, I don't want to follow. And that is what he said, to be fair. Yeah, I do not, that, that does not appeal to me at all, at all. And, and whereas Jason just is like this father figure type person and he wants to care and nurture. And I especially don't want to take college kids anywhere. Yeah, and there may be some going, which I'm actually looking forward to. Um, but that'll be May 13th through 23rd. You can go to LetTheBirdFly.com, click on the Germany trip tab in the in the menu. I experienced the cradle of the Reformation. You can see all the various places we'll be going there. Jason and I have each gone a number of times, and this is kind of our, if you're going one time to Germany and especially to the Lutherlands, this is kind of like the stuff that for us is we keep going back to that we think is worth seeing. Um, also encourage you to check out 1517.org. We are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. You can go there, find all kinds of good stuff. They do conferences, but they're all sold out, um, both of them that they have coming up. Uh, you can get books. You can go to the publishing house there. They have devotions. Michael, Jason, and I have all had recent devotions uh, come out there, other podcasts, free academy courses, very excited. Adam Francisco, as Michael noted a couple episodes ago, is working on one. Um, I think two things will be great with that, uh, Francisco's content, will be great. Um, but also, I think them making him get dialed up for it mm-hmm. will also be fun to see and how that And I saw pictures of, like, the the set. When I did mine, it was like there's there's a sheet and a, and a pulpit. Mm-hmm. 
pretend like you know and just go like pretend like you're talking to different people but if i'm if i'm seeing this correctly that it's more like sit down and quit the operation yeah. yeah so i think that's a that'll be an improvement yeah so i would encourage you to check that out when that comes out as well Lest we go too long, then, here with our intro, Michael, would you be so kind as to give us our disclaimer? The show disclaimer? doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers, to be honest, much of the time. It probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism, because, Since well... Michael started early, I'm going to do As a rent- responsible resident... <laughs> it's just chaos. That's right, a podcast, so go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. <laughs> All right, we've got it officially in. I do not think we can be sued. Um, it always used to be, if for some reason someone wanted to sue us, we said it was Ben, right, that they would sue. I I assume it's not that now. Ben hasn't been in a while. Is that officially Jason? Yeah, I think uh, I think you were you were trying to, to at least figurehead me in that way. but Yeah, I think you should email <laughs> Jason if you're ever truly upset. Um, and you're uh-huh. you're looking at some sort of legal um, approach that you would like to take. Uh, this is where, if Michael and I hadn't been having a little bit of fun and we got a little irresponsible with the disclaimer in the music, I would have just started reading. Um, but we're going to pick up first in Genesis chapter uh, 9, the very end, and we're going to be skipping around a bit here. Um, but we've, if you haven't listened to the other episodes of the series, that's fine. You're going to be absolutely fine today, but I encourage you to go back and listen to those as well. Um, but we're in the, the second half of chapter 9. They're off the ark. God's renewed his covenant. Um, Noah is kind of like prophet and priest and, and king um, for the world as it exists at this time. He's, he's offered um, offering. He is the preacher. Um, he is the elder of the family. And then we get this account, which I think in is what makes the Bible fun sometimes as... Uh, it throws us at you, and you go, well, why is that in there? But then when you think about what God's doing with the Bible, it totally makes sense that it's in there, right? I, part of me thinks when Moses got up to heaven, Noah was like, really, bro? Like, you couldn't have just left that one thing out? Um, but then part of me thinks Noah was like, made sense that you, that you did that. So here's what we have beginning with verse 18 in chapter 9. I will read it, and then I will throw it to the three of you gentlemen. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these uh, the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil. And I have a question for you guys about that when we get to it. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, 
a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth, and let him dwell in the tents of Shem, and let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. All the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. Um, and we'll leave off there, and I will throw it to you guys for any initial reactions that you have. Yeah, I can start with just that idea that you had of why why do we need to know this, right? And, um, Michael, I just got a text. What is the text? That's what texted me. Hmm. Your wife. Oh. It's got an invitation to an event at your house. Oh, okay. Our daughter's getting confirmed. That's why I paused in the reading. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to say what it was in case you wanted to keep it private. No, that's okay. You didn't send one to him, did you? I, um, there will be one eventually, I'm sure. I mean, it would be nice to see Mark there. <laughs> yes. It's a confirmation of my I don't my think youngest. you need Jason there. Right. Depends. <laughs> will there be cake? Yes, there will be cake. And, okay. it and he's got a, his backyard's fancy now. I don't know. Yeah, he's been there. Be uh, cool even before. Yeah. Um, depends. You know, you're going to bring a check? Probably. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. You're invited. <laughs> this guy gave me a check for um, his portion of the Italy stuff because I just put everything on my cover. His wife wrote it out, put thank you on it, and signed it. Yeah. She's in charge of the money. He didn't himself. even write his own check for his own trip. You're not even charged. Right. You're not charging your own money. Well, either. that is true. I don't <laughs> even know where my checkbook is. Okay. But right, I didn't say I wasn't being hypocritical. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so, But speak- I did bring the check. Yes. He and did I will hand bring it to it. Speaking of hypocrisy, <laughs> um, it's really important for us, and to be serious, it's, it's very important for us to see the flaws of, of the saints. And, and uh, in this case, the patriarchs. Um, and I reminded that recently when uh, I, I'm working for a different school where they had to write a paper. Um, and uh, over and over again, you, you, they will look to, the students will look to characters in the Old Testament as examples of faith, as the writer to the Hebrews does. Um, but there's almost a hagiography going on there. Right, and you set yourself up for a failure when you're like, "Well, my faith is not as strong as Noah, who, who you know, patiently built this ark. My faith is not as great as David." It's good for us to go, "Yeah, but David had a really awful affair that turned into a murder, right?" And so, lesson number one when we look at the saints is that there's always one thing bigger than God, our sin, and that's God's love. So very rarely do you have a character mentioned without their their flaws. Certainly not major characters. I can only think of one. Right. Um, technically, yes. But you know, like <laughs> the the certain. Uh, well, I'm more than technically. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <That's> okay. <laughs> but the, there, well, yeah. There are there are there are there's Enoch. There is the servant girl that's oh yes name okay yes yeah, where yeah. they're not fully developed. So it's, it's yeah. I meant anybody who yeah. we get a real view so, of. It's very important. It's not. It's not an insignificant thing that we got to have something bad about Noah, mm-hmm. right? Um, otherwise, it becomes about Noah and his faith rather than the object of the faith. And and even our confessions, the Lutheran confessions, recognize this. It's a, what the apology, I believe, um, but it might be the the Augsburg Confession itself, the uh, the original uh, bad boy there. Um, that talks about when it talks about the saints that we still maintain, right? We, we remember the saints. But part of the reason is so we can learn from their example good and bad, so that we can learn that Peter denied Christ but was forgiven. Um, that we 
that we're reminded that God is He's always dealing with sinners. And he's working on these people, right? yeah. especially Peter. You can see he's working on Peter. He's letting Peter hit rock bottom, that kind of thing. So, yeah. You know, and I would teach this. <clears throat> the first thing I would say is, if I would live 350 more years, <laughs> and there was one story that would be remembered about me for all the rest of the time, I hope it wouldn't be something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, it certainly points out that this was not a sin of irresponsible youth. I mean, he's very old, yeah. he's experienced, and sometimes the things people And it's could not do, like it was even peer pressure, he's alone. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's pretty hard to argue that no one knew that grapes will turn into wine till him, because right. without refrigerators, they, they figure that out. Right. But, you know, there also are some things, I don't want to go too far ahead, there are a lot of things that really bother me about this story. Number one, why is it that Noah is the one who really does the stupid, sinful thing, and when he wakes up, he utters a curse on one of his kids. Mm-hmm. And I've never... I do that most mornings. <laughs> well, see, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not Noah. But <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, it just seems like it's almost like a response because you're covering for yourself. Yep. Number two, I have read commentators, including our own, who have almost stood on their heads to say that the way Canaan looked at Noah was somehow... Um, dirty, you know, uh, with, with desire, um, whatever. It's the most common verb, you know. He looked at him. Uh, it's shameful, and I can think back to when I was a pastor and would go see shut-ins, and occasionally you'd have somebody who was just totally out of it, and they'd kick their covers off. Well, would you go back home and say, hey, I saw Grandma Smith, you know, naked? I mean, it just really shows a, a, a twisted mind. Okay. And then the other thing that happens is when you, when you have students in class who in their larger ethnic background have had slavery, the mere mention of the word slave mm-hmm. is really awful. Yep. And this whole idea of the curse of Ham, students have done presentations on this. They've looked at the racist, racist stuff that's involved. And very and often, maybe just for context, hope younger people might not be as aware of this, but this was used to justify well that's what i'm getting to in in fact um even in the churches some people viewed it as the curse of ham is the unfortunate way that life is and we ought to try to make it better i i I found once a uh, an impassioned plea in the 1920s from a missouri center school teacher who said we should care more about helping these poor benighted sons of ham who have endured this curse so she saw this as something which the churches would try to ameliorate. And then you have the more racist view that says, I'm here to perpetuate that curse. I mean, sorry, but you always have to be subservient to me. And so I think the whole exegetical idea of pushing the meaning of this verse beyond Christ is completely wrongheaded. Yeah, and that's actually reared its head. I'm assuming, uh, Mark, that you're not big on Twitter. Is that Uh, fair to assume? I only Twitter if I've had, you know, too much coffee in the morning the um <laughs> the missouri senate has actually had some issues with this recently they Would had they, the missouri senate yeah um they had the large catechism was published and then there was kind of a this like twitter fight about how this new edition of the large catechism in which i have an essay by the way um was uh marxist and all these things well some of the people that turns out that were behind this, Harrison actually had to make a statement. Are, um, I read the statement. I think today we would call it Christian nationalist. Um, but if you go on and follow some of these accounts, they 
actually in in talking about Christian nationalism, we'll go back to yeah to this account and see God has created, and they'll read race into it. Obviously, race is an enlightenment concept. This isn't even um, something that Moses would have had. He, the nations would have been a concept, but not like we think of race. And, and Moses married most likely a black woman, right? Yeah. And uh, but this this is something that will still come up, and I don't think it's anything that you know any of our students here would have had come up as nearly as much in in their education. Um, but there was a day where uh, this was something that I mean, church p- uh, publications, periodicals would have dealt with in America because oh. it had been used, and you had to wrestle with it. Ruprecht's uh, Bible History References, which was a standard tool book for Sunday school teachers, um, um, one of the professors who left Watertown, Satch Gerke, later on said, "I love the fact that the Wisconsin Synod gave me a grounding in the classics and in." in uh, the biblical languages, but, you know, they taught this, they said that, and they said black people are cursed by ham. I mean, that, that came right out. Then when you go into into the Table of Nations, of course, you find out this has nothing to do with Canaan. Right. Yeah. Wrong continent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just really bad on its face. But um, no, I, I just I just would sort of tremble going through this story. Yeah, and I think understandably so. So we can all four in the room say, this is not a good text to use in any way to justify yeah. Any sort of yeah. racial view of each other. Well, yeah. I, and, and I think, Mark, you did a great job of saying, not just because you're reading something into it that isn't there, but exegetically there's problems with that. I mean, there's there's historical problems with it. It's, it's not just well, one Terribly thing. anachronistic. I, I think part of that, too, I, I think two, two observations. I think one that speaks to that, and then one that is maybe um, just shouldn't shouldn't be passed over, is that the idea of, and I'll talk about that one first, is the idea that um, although after all this wickedness pre-flood, you still see sin very very much alive and yeah. well and active, which I think we've touched on once or twice. But yeah. but that idea of, you know, you see that with Noah and you see that with Ham and, and who knows, you know, like you mentioned, what was going on with Canaan and some of that. You know, this doesn't, this doesn't solve the problem of sin, even no. though that, no. and, and it's still there. And then I think the other thing is that, you know, um, given Israel's context and Israel's relationship with the descendants of Canaan, you know, there's maybe a reason why, you know, if you put yourself in their shoes, maybe that's why he gets special, yeah. well, special I think, treatment. Right? I think you've got to read it Christologically, all yeah. of it. And so what do you really do with this promise to 19th century America mm-hmm. and the obligation that we have to keep people of color uh, subjugated or the general sense that people who have darker colored skin are somehow inherently more prurient in their sexual which behavior, again is a enlightenment which, which came up all over the place. You know, in right. fact, a book still for sale in our publishing house uh, has a sermon on, actually the sermon is on onanism, and that's an interesting topic <laughs> to take on. But he essentially, he, he bought into the curse, curse of Ham, and he said that we white-skinned people actually have an obligation to uh, continue to be fruitful, increase in number, because, you know, we have to populate the earth with our kind of people because the darker-skinned people, I mean, he didn't say it quite that obviously, but I just don't know how we can still have that around. Uh, it, um, <laughs> yeah, right. And I, I do think it uh, it gets at, in doing that, you know, people end up doing the opposite of what's really being stressed here as well. I mean, you you have the common ancestry of people in Genesis 1 and 2, you have the common ancestry of people through Noah, 
and these are three sons of Noah, right? And these three sons uh, who are, they don't have any, they have, they're brothers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take these very different routes once again, and I'll bring it back to that. Uh, like Cain and Abel, based on, on faith or a lack of or a failure to act in faith. And, and maybe just two things I'll throw out and you guys can react as you see fit. Um, as far as including this about Noah, again, too, now that I'm teaching more history, I'm, I'm half-time both. And uh, it's always interesting. You get some students that will get very interested in, in different ages, and some will even really kind of geek out on it. But we, we study the past, and, and any student sometimes can find something in the past, and they go, oh, it would be so nice to live back then. And so I always like to stress first, like, do you know how they went to the bathroom? <laughs> like, <laughs> there was no indoor plumbing, right? <laughs> um, we, we romanticize the past. We, we tend to do that. But we also, and I, I, I don't know if this is a human thing or an American thing, but almost always when we imagine ourselves in the past, we imagine ourselves in the top 1%. We're never like, oh, it'd be so great to live in that age. I could be a peasant. <laughs> you know, um, or I could be a seven-year-old uh, working in the mill, dying, you know, prematurely after losing fingers. Um, and I think we can do the same with the scriptures. We think if we were back, uh, imagine if I lived back at Abraham's time. Well, you might have been one of the Canaanites. You know, we, we assume this. Well, I think part of what we see Moses do here with Noah is, is to say, don't over-romanticize this. I think this is something that stood out is when Jason and I were in Rome, too. Uh, the Christian church, it's the same as, you know, the serpent is lifted up with the snakes, and then the temptation is to worship, worship the serpents when Moses has the snake, the bronze serpent. Um, we, we love stories of great people. We're drawn to stories. It's why Americans can get really mad if you say anything bad about George Washington or, or the Founding Fathers. And Genesis, again and again, they just, it, it does its best to undermine that. I would say Judges does that as well, something Mark has done a lot of work with. It's, wor- it's worse than I thought, I'll yeah, just say that. They're not only heroes, but they're <laughs> anti-heroes. And, I mean, Moses keeps doing this with Abraham. Abraham does something, and you're like, oh, Abraham's the best. I want to be. And then he does something, and you're like, wait, you already did that once before, and it worked out really bad. Why would you do that again? Um, the second thing, and I, and I think Mark has mentioned this, reading this Christologically or Christocentrically, maybe. And uh, I, I see here... Um, and right, this is James who says love covers a multitude of sins. And James is not an epistle that necessarily gets at the gospel <clears throat> all that often. But what we see here that um, Shem and Japheth do is literally that. Um, they cover their father's shame. Um, Ham does the eight people on the earth equivalent of making it go viral. Right, this is, <clears throat> he's the, everybody come look. He's going to show everyone in the world his father's nakedness. Um, and, and, and we see instead the other two sons will, will cover that. And perhaps in this account, at least as I go through it in 110, and maybe I'm just um, treating it unfairly, is a reminder of what Christ has come to do and of, of the gospel. Moses reveals Noah's sin that we can learn from it. Um, but he also shows that, that Shem and Japheth work to 
cover it. And that's also, is that not what the church is called to do? We preach the law, we expose the sin, but not that it now is held out there uh, for someone's shame for the rest of their life. So the absolution can then be proclaimed um, so that it may be covered. And and so this is a very um, Christian thing that happens. I would agree with you. The problematic part is is the curse, right, right away. Um, but uh, but what the two sons do in faith is the most Christian faith thing you can do. And, and maybe we we should maybe highlight the idea of shame, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't we don't live in a shame culture, right? Generally speaking, although it's still there, we try to. It's it it's coming back. It's yeah. making a yeah. return in a very unhealthy way, very often. Mm-hmm. But anyway, yeah. that that that. Um, Noah would have been shamed. Ham would have been, this was a shameful act, right? Sin is a shameful thing. And there needs to be a recognition of the shamefulness of this, which is, which is what's happening at the cross. Jesus doesn't just say, wink, wink, I for, forgive you. Just forget about it like we might. No, he is going to be shamed because the sin is shameful. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the walking back, right? <laughs> Um, that's hard again for us to understand. We, the the Jason uh, Wade and I are definitely just old enough to remember, like our grandparents' generation, where the old men, like you, rarely saw them even in shorts. Like it could be at ninety degrees and you're, you're making fun on the of me, beach. Michael? No, <laughs> I've dressed up <laughs> all semester. One day I wear shorts, <laughs> and and the guys in gray slacks. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I I use that analogy to to uh, especially teach um, um, the prodigal son when the father runs, like he probably wouldn't have run or whatever. There are certain things in cultures that men don't do because it would be considered shameful. We don't really, we've lost that a little mm-hmm. bit. So the shamefulness And so the prophets aspect, will say, you've forgotten how to blush. This is one of the yeah. things they say to convict. So um, for them to walk backwards and to cover him up is to cover up his shame, but then bring no shame upon themselves by looking, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just a just a, there's just little things there that are hard for us to understand. Yeah. You know, you mentioned hagiography, and um, Professor Frederick told us once that it's the added burden of writing and doing church history is that we must try to face the, you know, the facts of what has happened in the past, including the sins, but we're not out to write scandalous history of it, you know. And I mean, there's an awful lot of hagiography about pastors and church bodies and you know, they uh, like they did no wrong. But there are things that happen in the church, and we shouldn't just say happen. There are things that we do in the church that are sinful and that we should learn from, but we don't want to have a, a, a twisted interest in it. Or, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't, this isn't Dateline or something, you know? Right. Or, um, or a self-hate, like a kind of a self-hate, like we, we're terrible. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, you know, the, the, as, as though you're almost, by saying that, you're forgiven instead yeah, of yeah. going to Christ. But, but, you know, learning from judges is that there are big parts of the Bible that the people who are most likely to come to Bible class can't stand to even think about. Yep, yep. I'm on my last rewrite now of Jephthah, and I just mentioned the name to my wife. And she said, don't even talk about him. Don't even bring that up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, I mean, are guys more likely to glory and stuff of that stuff? I, I heard a young pastor preach on Ehud. You know, and after you're all done, what do you say? 
You know, I mean, there's even more grotesqueness in there than you might realize. Well, what do you I, say? I had chapel on him this semester, by the way. <laughs> I, don't I, I did have fun with it. I don't want to know. <laughs> that was I a mean, C- CMO scheduling error. Yeah. <laughs> the added thing there is that when, when Eglon sent all the servants out of, uh, guards out of the room, he may have been looking for a little... Uh, yep, I mentioned this. Yep. Yeah, well, that's not highly <laughs> agreed upon, but it's, it's possible. It doesn't make any sense. But what do you say when you're all done? I mean, um, the preacher who did this was young and had a reputation for being a little out there. And somebody's looking at each other like, is it okay to laugh at this? I mean, wow, is this something? And then what do you say? Go and do thou likewise? Oh, but Jesus died for him. Amen. I mean, what do you really do mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Um, so if the previous generation was too cautious in wanting to keep everything above, you know, clean and pure, our generation, the next generation, may rejoice a little bit too much in the sort of mm-hmm. grotesque parts of it. Yeah. Right. We, should, we should mention that uh, the book you're talking about, Judges, uh, the Blue Commentary, Concordia Commentary. Many of our listeners will be familiar with that coming out of Concordia Publishing House. You're doing Judges. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> well, but keep an, uh, keep an eye I, on that. What <laughs> I found out there is I'm, I'm about fifth in line, so it probably won't see the light of day till 2025. And now my prayer is that I'll get to see it, you know, before I die. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Uh, my, I should mention, too, my wife always... During this time of year, uh, we'll say, so I'm teaching about Jesus' crucifixion, and those kids have so many questions about, they're attracted to, where did they put the nails? Where did they did this? Yeah. They, it's, yeah. a, it's definitely yep. a, human, a human thing to look at that, the gore sometimes. Yeah. And, and I would say probably the most, to me, interesting parts of church history and that is where we left off as the recording breaks into pieces when we are recording for more than, say, a half hour. And so right after this, we picked up more with the Tower of Babel, and we thankfully chased rabbits a bit and, and got talked about a lot of things, but none of them in the depth we wanted. And so we will pick up with that next time Dr. Brown is in the studio, and we'll wrap up the Anthropology series then. Thank you again for listening. We hope you've enjoyed If you haven't already, please do think about going back uh, to wherever you get your podcast, that podcatcher, going in there sometime, not just to listen, but find us, give us a rating, give us a review, five stars is greatly appreciated. It helps us with the algorithm, helps people find us. Uh, You can share our stuff on Facebook or on Twitter as well. No matter what, though, we thank you for joining us and pray you will uh, continue to be with us as we all together in the gospel, the good news of the risen Christ. Let the bird fly.